Welcome, everybody. This is Bamboo Weekly, episode 215. It is 19th of June. I'm back from a quick one-week uh, vacation with the family, which was fun, except I'm completely beaten by the mosquitoes. <laughs> no good deed goes unpunished. No, that's true. Creek mosquitoes are super weird. I, I never had this kind of a reaction Oppa. on a Scandinavian <laughs> mosquitoes. True. Good, good, good. Um, what what's anything interesting happening in your life this week? All the time, all the time. But I guess we will talk about it at the end. It's we'll talk about it at the end. You're you're away for a week, so it's totally dropped. Yes. Uh, you know, forgot how we go about it, how we do the intro. No, no, no. Anyway? In the PMV weekly, we talk about my latest Microsoft 365 and the related technologies, um, and we touch the Microsoft articles and then the community or some of the community articles. There's a lot of stuff happening, so we want to kind of surface what's happening across the world and talk about those things. We also typically have a visitor, and today's visitor is Zoe Wilson. Zoe Wilson from Avenade, unless I'm completely yes, mistaken. Correct. So no, that's that's what I thought. Uh, so that should be good. Uh, we'll jump on the interview in a second. Uh, please remember use hashtag PMP Weekly uh, when you are sharing things. Um, but now that we are doing this in a vice versa order, uh, just a reminder for everybody, we will actually have a summer break. So this will be the last episode before a summer break. And we'll be back around... You'll be back in end of August? Mid-August, mid-August. Mid-August, okay. So we'll be back in the mid-August. And we were just planning that maybe that's then the season 10. And then we do a three episodes and then season 11. And then four episodes. You know, sounds super impressive, doesn't it? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Playing the system. Let's jump on the interview. (laughs) Let's jump on the interview with Zoe. (laughs) And let's get back on the articles right after that. Excellent. Let's just jump a little step. English is so hard. On the show. Good night. Excellent. Let's get. We've just seen the teams change the language to English US Vesa. So come on. Yeah, 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 yes. No idea what the language was. Anyway, let's get started. So thank you, Zoe, for joining on the BMP Weekly uh, episode two, 215, unless I'm completely mistaken. Um, Zoe, can you do a quick intro who you are? Let's start from there. And what do you do for a living? Yeah, sure. Uh, so first of all, thanks for having me on the show. I'm delighted to be here. Uh, my name's Abby Wilson. I spent the last year working at Avenard as the Europe Workplace Value Realisation Offering Lead, which is a really, really long job title, I know. But essentially what, what that means is that I work with uh, colleagues across Europe and I work with our clients to help them get the most out of their investments in workplace technology. And it's quite um, broad spanning. So that's everything from Teams as a Platform, Power Platform, Beaver, uh, business process optimization, uh, content AI and knowledge management, and then of course Copilot as that becomes available as well. Yeah. Well, what? How? How does a typical day look for you? Just out of curiosity, for those you know, there's a lot of people watching this who might be like, "Hmm, maybe I should be joining Avenade, but I don't know how they actually work." How does that? look for you yeah so 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 i think my role is quite different to a lot of people who work in delivery because um you know i've got friends who work in uh, kind of in in the different countries and they're working in delivery and they'll be working on one or two clients whereas my role is more um kind of go to market and offering development i work across lots of different clients lots of different opportunities i work really closely with microsoft um, and that's at global europe and in the different country level as well uh, so I guess what I'm trying to say there is that every day is different for me. Um, and I, yeah. I like 
actually because um, it means that I've got variety and, and I'm not getting bored. And because I'm working with such a broad set of technology as well and across a broad set of industries, um, it means that I can get to explore, uh, you know, the different things that are going to help solve problems for the clients. So it makes it makes it really interesting. Yeah. So it's more like a is, is it kind of a, is it fair to say kind of a central of excellence role or is um, that? Yeah. So so I work closely with our center of excellence, but it's more kind okay. of on. The so you have a separate side. one. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Sales Got and it. business development, but. Um, I think I think I'm quite unusual in the offering lead role because I actually come from a technical background. So I've yep. worked with SharePoint for like the best part of two decades. And then over the last few years, expanding into Teams and the wider Microsoft 365 and Power Platform stack. Um, yep. But for me, it's that, you know, the ability to understand clients' problems and then design offers that can, offerings and solutions that can help them and understanding the commercial implications and what it means from a licensing perspective as well. So it's it's really interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So how do you how do you go about it? Because I can imagine with the breadth of the offerings that we offer at Microsoft, you've got your hand full, you know, just staying up to date on what's available and what has changed, what's coming. And in, so, so that you can include all of that in the the offerings you build. So, what is your strategy or tactic, even? How do you stay up to date? Um, so that that comes down to network and community, <laughs> and that that's both the community in terms of like the Microsoft technical community and having you know having the friends who have got similar interests and who can flag when something new's coming and you can bounce ideas around what that means. That's having the network and the community connections into Microsoft so that you can have the kind of similar but different conversation with Microsoft as well. And then within Avenard, it's having that internal community and that internal network of contacts and people with different areas of expertise so that you can start to bounce these ideas around and actually think, okay, so what does that mean for our clients? What does that mean for what we take to market? And um, there's a bit of a balancing act as well, because there's you've, you've kind of got to keep the sense of realism, you know, so what can we actually do now? What can we do with the licenses that are currently available? And what can we do if a client has got E3 versus E5 or Beaver Insights versus Beaver Suite or whatever that might be? versus what's coming down the roadmap and you know what are these new things that clients are getting excited about and what are the decisions that they need to make now to make sure that they're ready for those things and that they're not potentially putting roadblocks in the way yeah, yeah. that's actually yeah. now coming back on and you, you mentioned that you have a SharePoint background I was already thinking that at the time you were mentioning it it's, it's interesting the baseline skill set what you clearly have as a staying up to date on technology and and also the figuring out the offerings and everything else, those baseline does not change. The technology evolves, but the customer day-to-day -day engagement is still the same. Uh, it's just a matter of, okay, so now we have this feature in Teams, and maybe that suits better than this older feature in here, and, and that thing kind of evolves forward. It's, it's an interesting kind of a role, for sure, um, as, as customer phasing offering creation evolves but the dynamics are still the same right yeah and a lot of the problems that you're solving for are still the same you yeah. know it's still it's still the same problems that it was 15 20 years ago when i first started working with sharepoint which is how can i find things more easily how can i manage knowledge better how can i make my processes better and more effective and how can we help users get the skills that they need so yep. it's just you know it's the same types of problems it's just that the, the technology and the ways that we can solve for it have changed 
Yeah. And, also, so and we keep on releasing that, additional FIFA modules every single day. So, yeah. you know. So. Yeah, so, so, so <laughs> that's also um, another thing that I want to ask, like, how do you see the way we work and, and how they changed over time, maybe even age groups, um, factor into solutions that you design now versus we've done 20 years back or 10 years back? Well, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, people people are generally more technically up to speed now than they w- would have been like in the early 2000s when I first started my IT career. Um, you do still get pockets of resistance and sometimes those can be age groups. But I think if you apply the right type of change management to that and, and you, um, you know, you put the effort into bringing those resistors on board, then you can still get to a really good outcome. Um, the, the way that we're working is completely different. You know, um, I mean, we were tied to officers, we were tied to on-premises environments and VPNs and, you know, network restrictions that made it really difficult to access stuff unless you were in like a physical building that was on a client network so you know we've got a lot more possibilities now but um you know for for me it's uh, it just it makes it really exciting right so how do you approach uh, so let's say you don't you do customer projects right as well or do you or do you just do offerings i'm just yeah so so i i do customer engagements but i'm not generally involved on the uh, on the delivery okay. side how would you what would be the, the approach of creating these offerings um how do you how how does that work in evidence how do you come up with a offering uh for customers you go for a walk and you think you ponder the meaning of life yes. and the way we collaborate mm-hmm. like i got it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so there's like um I, i guess a couple of different different routes one is kind of the technology led where you know if i look at if i look at viva and some of the stuff that i've come into around viva you've got um the technology capabilities and what this can do for employee experience the way that i would prefer um and the way that i try to work is starting with you know what is the problem that we're actually solving for what what is the challenge and then how can different approaches and different different kinds of technology help that and um you know those this isn't this isn't an avenue thing this is kind of you know technical consulting and having worked with techies for years i think for people who like technical problem solving they have a tendency to go straight to like let's talk to the customer about loads of tech i've got all this shiny tech and i want to tell you what it yep. can do it's going to be fantastic but um you know what i found works really well is actually starting at a higher level than that you know what is the macro context And the way um, during the pandemic, the way that I was, you know, talking about Viva was actually starting with what are the problems that we're seeing in the world at a, high, at a high level? You know what? We've got a mental health pandemic as well as an actual pandemic. We've got the fact that we've all got more distractions and more Teams meetings and chats and more work to do and less time to do it in. And these blurring lines between home and work. And then you start to introduce how technology and, and solutions can actually solve for that and it you know it resonates with people better because you're giving them something that they emotionally respond to first rather than just saying whoo here's some tech here's co-pilot get excited yeah <laughs> exactly and i guess that's also the transition from it driven decision making to business driven decision making as well which we're seeing within the industry if if it if you look back at the latest offerings that you've worked on maybe versus the features that we've announced what is your favorite feature slash productivity collaboration hack that you can do on N365 today 
or maybe it's coming. Yeah. So, <laughs> maybe so, future. So, yeah. yeah so, so, so if I look at the features that we have today, my, my favourite and the ones that I love to, well, there's two sets that I like to talk to people about the most. One is all of the presenting features in Teams, because I feel like if we're tech professionals and we're working remotely and we're presenting to colleagues and clients and partners on calls, we should be able to use Teams properly. And it has the tools and the features baked within Teams meetings for you, for you to actually come across as really slick and professional. And the amount of people who don't know how to use it properly, um, you know, it's it's just incredible. I'm here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I what did, would be I an example? Know. What would what would be an example of that? So this this is you. This is a guy who everyone in the UK will know, uh, Chris Whitty who through the first year of the pandemic, he did like the government briefings and at the, at, for every single one of them, he was saying, next slide, please. Next slide, please. <laughs> so I've been, on, like, I've been on a personal mission to eliminate this phrase, which is why my friend bought me this candle. Um, <laughs> we, we shouldn't need to be saying next slide, please. You just use presenter view. Um, everybody can take control. It looks like you've rehearsed all of the timing and everything's really slick and seamless. So, you know, that that for me, I know it's not really a productivity tip, but just in terms of, um, you know, in terms of how people perceive you and, and your capabilities, I think it's important. And then the other the other set of features is the accessibility features. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't really know that these exist. You know, the fact that across all of M365, we've got like this core of accessibility features that can help people who need them to be able to work more effectively, but they can also benefit people who, who can learn to use them um, to be more effective as well. So for me, one of my favourite things that I like to do, if I'm working on a document and I've spent like days writing this document and I'm at the point where I can't read if it makes sense anymore, I like to use the read aloud and get it to read it back to me because when someone speaks it to you, your brain processes it differently and you can tell mm. straight away if a sentence doesn't sound right. Right. Huh. Never thought of it. That is a great thing. <laughs> That's actually. Thank you yeah, so much. Absolutely. I learned a thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's actually really, really cool. And and there's a lot of those features actually, like I said, and, and I think it's the, in general also like 30, 40% of people uh, will benefit out of this accessibility uh, improvements and features overall, because they, they will make sure that people can stay more focused on, on what's actually happening and if it's zooming or whatever the feature is, um, there's just different capabilities there. Now, uh, let's talk about a bit about your community work. Uh, and uh, you're also a Viva Explorer. What does that mean in practice? Yeah, so, so I'm a Microsoft MVP and a Viva Explorer. And I think it's probably, I don't know, about 18 months since the Viva, Viva Explorers became a thing. Um, and this started with a small group of us who were predominantly in the UK with a, a couple of European colleagues as well. Um, and what we wanted was a way that we could work together to amplify what we were trying to share about Viva in the community so that we could help get more content out there and, you know, start to answer the questions about, you know, what is it? Why should I care? How do I yep. use it? Um, and this has grown in the last 18 months from, I think, 12 of us that, that started originally through to, I don't know, I've lost count, like 60 or 70 people globally, wow, that's cool. which is just fantastic. And we've got a few people from Microsoft now who are part of the Viva Explorer community. Um, we've got um, 
what we call friends of Viva Explorers, so non-MVPs who we work really closely with and we kind of mentor and, and support. Um, but we kind of kept it to MVPs and RDs and then Microsoft so that we can actually talk about some of the NDA roadmap stuff as well and start to interpret what this is going to mean so that we're ready to actually amplify that when, when things land publicly. Um, and it's been absolutely fantastic for me. You know, I've been speaking in the community for, um, I don't know, like four years, something like that. And it was really when I found the Viva Explorers that I felt like I found my tribe of people, you know, the mm. people who got the technology, but also understood the business side of it and the, yep. the people impact. And I've made some really great friends through um, through the Viva Explorers, which which is fantastic. And we've um, you know, we had a global conference that we did last month, which was fantastic. Uh, sorry, earlier this month, actually, losing track of dates. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's you know, it's, I think it's. Um, Leslie likes to call it a movement. You know, it's a, a, a movement where, where we're just trying to kind of help speed up and accelerate the um, understanding of what Viva can do across the world. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, to, to what extent is that, you know, I don't know if you recall the video, there is there is this video slash meme of this guy dances alone at a festival and then slowly, gradually, you know, more folks come in and then at the end of the day, like everyone's there. Did it feel like that? Like, you know, you were the only few and nobody is like, what are you guys talking about? And now it's like, oh, now I get. And then you are at a point, you know, critical mass where people join in. Is that kind of the, yeah. the way the way it went down? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the really funny thing is that I'm sure that video has been shared in the kind of original group of explorers as well as what, what we were trying to accomplish. That's good. And, and that we need to find the reference on that video, maybe on the blog post uh, related on this show, because it is a really good example. And it, it's actually quite commonly used as an example on group, what is adoption. it, group adoption. Uh, so yeah. one, two, yeah. four, six, and woof, all of a sudden, the spark. Okay. So. Yeah, so we've got um, Commsverse in the UK, which is a Teams conference, which is taking place this week. And this year, for the first year, there's a Viva track. Um, Mark Vale reached out to us to ask if we'd curate the the, the Viva track as the Viva Explorers, um, because it's not you know he's, he's, he comes from like a Teams UC background, so we just said, look, I'd rather just outsource this to you. You got you you know what good looks like for Viva. So when we got the um, the session submissions in, I was expecting all of the sessions to have been submitted by Viva Explorers. Um, and when we actually looked at it, I was really pleasantly surprised at how many sessions we got and how many there were from people that I didn't know and that weren't explorers, because it demonstrated to me that there's starting to be a lot more momentum in, in terms yeah. of people who are interested. Can you can you explain what's what's the difference between Microsoft Viva? So what what's causing this? I can I can speculate and answer this question as well, but it's kind of curious discussion point. What is the special thing about Microsoft Viva? Why is it different than the other technology? Because it puts people at the center. Um, you know, it's not it's not a tool that can help you do your job. It's a it's a tool that can help you protect your well being, protect your time, manage your workload. Um, support your mental health, make it easier for you to find the things that you're looking for and find the experts. And I think I think it's that that combination of factors, um, you know, really, it's not just about what you as an individual need to do at work, but all of the things surrounding that that you need to bring your whole self to work and be effective and productive and yeah. most importantly, um, happy. And is that so is that to what extent 
its value depends on how widely it is used in the org. So in other words, does everybody needs to be on it in order for everybody to benefit? Or do, do you already get the benefit even if only a handful, like a unit department use it only? It depends what part of Viva we're talking about, because this is this is where the, the messaging starts to get challenging, doesn't it? Because you've got yeah. so many different modules within Viva. And at the moment, I know it feels like everybody, every, everything's getting a co-pilot. And at one point, it felt like, you know, everything was just being called Viva. So um, it depends what it is. I think Viva Connections, absolutely. Everybody, uh, you know, everybody benefits if everybody has access to that that front door into the organization and the easy way to find stuff. If I look at something like Beaver Insights, as an in individual, everybody benefits from the tools that they get on a personal level to help support their, you know, their well-being and their time management and all of those things. When we start to look at some of the more premium features, so if I stick with Beaver Insights, um, I think there's some, you know, there's some value that you can get out of turning on Beaver Insights for everybody and giving people the manager and leader insights. But if that's all you do, you're leaving value on the table because you need to you need to help the leaders and the managers to understand what does this actually mean? What should I do with this? How can I turn this insight into something that's actionable that I can measure where, you know, what? How do I know what I need to do with what I can see in this dashboard? And for me, I think for Viva Insights, it starts to become more powerful when you start to look at advanced insights and how you use it to test a hypothesis. So at Avenard, this was before I joined, so I can't take any credit for this, but this is one of my favourite stories for, for Viva Insights. We used Viva Insights to test whether giving people flexibility over their work pattern would have a detrimental impact or a positive impact. So we had about 160 people who could go from moving Monday to Friday, nine till five, to whatever kind of compressed hours work for them. So some people did four day weeks instead of five. Some people took every other Friday off or every Wednesday afternoon off, you know, whatever worked for them in their life. And then we had a control group who carried on working the same amount of time. And we looked at lots of different data sources. So, um, you know, sentiment surveys. We looked at kind of project delivery, milestones and client satisfaction. And what we found was that, um, you know, people were um, happier, obviously, because they're getting an extra day off. Um, but there was, you know, there was a positive impact on work as well. So there was no impact on, you know, missed project milestones. There was no impact on revenue or anything like that. And clients were happier because they saw we were doing something really positive. So yeah. that that work pattern became something that we rolled out to everybody. Mm. And that, you and know, that, yeah, sorry, go on. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying, and you can see all of that data then in Viva Insights, then is that available from there? How does that work in practice? Yeah, so in practice, that the, with the advanced insights, that's Power BI, where yeah. you can build those custom record, re reports, custom um, algorithms and queries and weightings and things like that. And, you know, and there's a little bit of kind of data science and stuff, you know, behavioral science probably that you need to assign to that as well. But to me, that's yeah. where you really start to get the magic. That's actually great because then you can do organizational experiments. So like, like th that's a brilliant example, by the way, on 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 testing out things in a small pilot group and then seeing the results and then expanding that. Um, anyway, experiments is a is a growing theme across the industries uh, on on testing out things and then learning from those things and growing 
app based on that. That's actually really cool. Now, um, how would you, so coming back on the on the Viva and, and a Viva, let's say the Viva product itself, which for sure, I think even for Microsoft employees, it's difficult to explain what it is. And, and it's more on business driven value rather than technology value. And that that's, I guess, is the, you know, the main difference. Traditionally, Microsoft, when I was a consultant still in Microsoft, that was always about technology, uh, technology, 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 technology. And then we potentially have Accenture business consultants doing the sweet talk to the CEO level. So, But this, it, it was different. Uh, how, how would you explain in, in let's say, well, let's, let's rephrase this. I'm trying to think uh, a question, proper question for the Microsoft Viva. What would be your tips and, and what would be the modules, what you would recommend people to have a look on first in Microsoft Viva? How to get started on Microsoft Viva Road? Yeah, so 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 for me, I, I Viva Connections has to be the first one. I think it's, um, I call it the gateway drug of Viva because it's something it's seeded within E3 and E5 license, so it doesn't require an yep. additional license. Um, and the the reason that I recommend people start with Viva Connections is that it really demonstrates the power of bringing something into that team scaffold. So giving people that team's front door into the, the wider organisation. Um, and once you get organisation, you know, when, once you kind of bought into that as the strategy, then all, you know, starting to, to identify use cases and scenarios for the rest of Viva and for other things like collab apps and collab controls, collab toolkit, you know, the power platform, they they all then start to to follow. Um, Viva Engage is an, another another good one as well. Um, and then for, for me, I think Viva Topics is incredibly powerful. That, um, you know, that kind of content AI transforming content to knowledge is a, a, a good place to start. For clients who are in the right place for that. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Uh, I'm now losing my my question. Uh, I know. We, we also, as you okay. as you think, as you think, go go think about about you your own. Um, okay. Zoe, if you had a million or unlimited funds, if you had a blank check, what would you like us at Microsoft to fix? You can ask for one one <laughs> thing. You have a genie of sorts. What would you want to see on M365, either fixed or or added? That's a really good question. Can I think about that one? <laughs> yes. Okay, Vesa, back to you. <laughs> now, before we actually started recording, we also talked about the other community stuff that you've been doing. Uh, and coming back on the Viva Explorer track, you had new presenters and unknown people in there as well. Can you talk about a bit about that side as well um, and how you actually help people to get started on presenting. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I, I mean, obviously, I'm a woman in tech. Um, you know, I'm, I'm quite visible. And for the last few years, I've made sure that I'm visible both within my employers and within the community. Um, and I help um, I help kind of younger women uh, if I spot someone who I think has got potential, I'll nudge them towards public speaking. So that's been something I've done for a while. And then towards the end of last year, when things started going back to in person again, I, I think I had three or four events in one week where I saw the speaker roster with just um, middle aged white men, complete lack of diversity. And I got really angry about it. Um, because, you know, the, the topics for some of these conferences, I know I have like a big list of women that I could point them to who would be fantastic. Um, so I started talking to Sarah Fenner and Luke Evans about this at ESPC last year. And we started bouncing um, ideas around about, how, you know, how could we address this? How could we start to um, 
encourage more diversity in speakers? How could we start to create a space where people could, um, you know, take that first step into submitting uh, to speak at an event, writing their profile? Um, so in May, we ran the first new speaker workshop, which we did as a community day. It was in Manchester in the UK, and we had 17 people uh, turn up for this. Um, we had one guy, Fred, who travelled from um, an African country, uh, which was just incredible. Um, yeah, you know, we had, we had a couple of people who came from um, Ireland. We had a, a mix of um, gender diversity, ethnic diversity. Um, and it was just absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, we I don't think we did anything groundbreaking, but we took them through everything like how do you, um, you know, how do you create a sessionized account and how do you write your bio? What makes a good session abstract? How do you structure it so that it stands out when people are reviewing sessions? Yeah. And we actually ran like a fake session review as well using sessionized. So we we showed them how, um, you know, if if an organiser was doing a blind review like Scottish Summit do, where they, you know, you can't see the submitter and you just see three sessions side by side, we were demonstrating to them, this is why you need to stand out because um, all you've got is the description. Yeah. Uh, then we did some practical stuff as well, like speaking tips and, and stuff like that. And, and some of the people who joined are already speaking at events, which is just great. Well, related on that one, obviously, we, we absolutely want to have a equal, let's say, a more diverse community and, and an equal balance. And of equality, equal balance is hard because what is equal balance? But, you know, we need to increase diversity of the community. Uh, me and Waldeck are a good example of a white male you know, always doing this show. But <laughs> but but we absolutely want to uh, increase the diversity and getting more women in, in IT. What would be your tips for anybody who's like a thinking a career in IT and, and a woman who feels maybe not not that kind of a welcoming maybe on the community? Uh, and have you seen this to change within a historical perspective? You've been around for quite a long time. Yeah, so so it's definitely changed. If I think back to my early, uh, my early years in my career, uh, I mean, I'm still often the only woman in the room, which, um, you know, it's sad, although it doesn't happen as often anymore. Um, yeah. But I'm not ignored when I speak anymore or passed over you know that um, one place that I worked early in my career I'd say something and people just wouldn't listen until the man next to me repeated it so I don't have to deal with that anymore that's a lot better wow, that's brilliant. Um, the one thing that I don't think we're doing very well is promoting how rewarding a career in tech can be and how life-changing it can be you know how it can help move um up you know from people from working class to middle class how you know it can it can change the, the the life of, of people we're, we're not marketing this very well in schools yeah particularly not in the UK I'm not sure how this goes in other parts of the world but um you know computing and tech is still seen as a boy's subject um and for me it's we have to start in education we have to get people young we have to show them how um you know how many different career paths there are um and, yep. and how much fun it can be and uh, really get people motivated and then for people who are kind of, you know, assessing whether it's for them or not, um, if, you know, if they're young, I'd say just give it a go. You know, you, a choice that you make at 18 or 20 or 22 or 25 or even 30 or, or older, you don't have to stick with that. You can try things out. You can learn. You can move sideways. You can move industries um, and then find someone who's walked in your shoes. Um, you know, one of the things I love about the community is the fact that everybody is so friendly and if someone reached out to me to ask 
and this does happen if someone reached out to me to ask what a career you know what a career in tech has been what what I've experienced nine times out of ten I expect the woman will be helpful and you know we'll we'll have a call and and, and we'll have a chat with someone yeah so the mentorship is is good and getting those connections and and directly asking assistance for sure. Um, I, I think, at least personally, I have the the massive problem of a, a 24 hours in a day, which is surprisingly limited amount of time. Uh, so balancing that out is always hard. But I think overall community is always welcoming everybody, which is really, really cool. Um, of course, there are certain exceptions, but then typically what happens is that those exceptions and people who cannot behave, they, they might pop in, but within a year or two, they are gone. So um, those who stick around are quite helpful, So which is good. Uh, how's the timing? Well, Dick. Timing's good. Timing is good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Now, important questions. No, no, no. I, I, I don't no idea where we are from a timing perspective. We're good. We're good. So we're good. So now, if there's any any uh, one, uh, if we if we do a top list, what would be your kind of a tips on explicit tips on on coming uh, building a career in IT uh, for if you are a woman? Um, any any thoughts on that? Um. So find a mentor, I think, is, is is really helpful. And actually, if you can, find a sponsor. So not not just someone who can help share the benefits of the things they've been through in their career. But, um, you know, if you can find someone who speaks about you when you're not in the room, who puts your name forward as, um, you know, someone who would be a good candidate for something or other, you know, I think that that is super powerful. Um, be Be passionate, be proactive. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of younger people in their career where they, particularly people who've gone to university, where they just think, well, I've done the hard work now, got my degree, you know, that's yeah. that's <laughs> true. And, and, and they just kind of sit there and, you know, wait for the, the rewards of their education. But actually, when you start work, that's when the real hard work starts. Yeah. So, um, you know, be passionate, be proactive, look for opportunities to learn, get out of your comfort zone. Um one thing that we've got now, which was, you know, we still had it when I was younger, but it wasn't as extensive. The amount of learning resources that you can access for free online is just absolutely phenomenal. Whether it's yeah. Microsoft Learn, whether it's LinkedIn Learning or Pluralsight, whether it's individual people's blogs that they write or YouTube channels, you know, whatever you're interested in, there's stuff out there that can help you learn. So, you know, be curious and, and and just learn and find the things that excite you and then figure out what you need to do to get your career close to that. Yeah. How, how, how would you recommend people go about finding a sponsor? Because I can imagine it sounds great to have that person, you know, who is there for you, who speaks about you, as you said, when you aren't in the room. But how would you find that person? That's a hard question. <laughs> Um, you know, I think um, I think finding people in your in your organisation who are maybe a little bit more experienced than you, who are in a position where they could, you know, you don't need to go right to the top straight away, but find people who can influence at least maybe the next career step or two, and then find a reason to talk to them. Um, you know, approach them, ask if you could have a a coffee and look at how you can help them, or you want to learn more about what they do, or something like that. You know, be be interested in them and find the things that you're interested in that, that relate to that. And, you know, this this might not happen overnight, but put the effort in to build the relationship. Um, and, if you know, if you get that right mix, I think the, the sponsorship starts to happen naturally. 
Yeah. And to what extent would you say that things like uh, working in the open, does that help in the org or does it work against you? Because maybe, you know, you might make a mistake. You will come, come across somebody who knows something better and it will turn out bad. Do you have any experience with that? Like to what extent that you've seen that being a helpful thing or or not? Yeah, so I, I'm a big fan of working out loud. I think um, I think um, th- there's nothing more frustrating is there than when you're waiting to collaborate with someone and they won't share the file until they've done the first draft. And you just think, just just share the file with me. Let's just let's just <laughs> together. And you know, we we we'll all have different things that we can bring. So working out loud, I think um, I think is great. And if someone knows more than you, and if someone has a better idea, the the more you work in the open the quicker you can get the benefit of that instead of waiting until you're finished and let them saying, well, wouldn't have done it like that. Or did you know all this stuff exists over here that, you know, was exactly (laughs) what you said in a different way. And and anyway, working out loud, actually, uh, it's it's basically the challenge is that you are making yourself vulnerable for other people's feedback and comments. And that's something which we, obviously, the older you get and more experience you have, the, the less we really feel about bad about it uh, but that's something which Some which people. would be well <laughs> it, it's still it's incredibly important to get out of that shell um, because again when you get out of that internal shell then you put yourself available and then people start realizing the stuff what you're doing um, and and otherwise how would they know how would they know that you're the best person in the world or what you have done or how can they benefit and, and then that the working out loud, like you said, as always, is, is is a great way of doing those networking and connections, and and then going to the the user groups and and going to locations, meeting people. Now that we can do that again, um, it's going to be interesting to see how long we're going to say this as a new thing for meeting people again, because I think <laughs> it's been a while already where we're outside of that uh, problem. But it it left a mark uh, in some of us, but still. I think that the working out loud is a really good point. Um, and also putting yourself, you know, in social media, potentially LinkedIn. Hey, I wrote this thing in a, in a blog. Anybody has any, any opinions? Yeah. Have you, have you had any bad experiences about that, actually? And does it, how do you handle that feedback or negativity, possible negativity? Or is it, has it always been just walking on roses and everybody is happy? No, so so I probably have when I was younger, but I think I've, I've blocked them out a little bit. But um, you know, I the, the first ten years of my career, I was you know I was in the north of England. Um, I was in a city. I worked in Leeds, so it's you know it's not somewhere small. But from a jobs market perspective, um, it was still a little bit behind London. There wasn't as many jobs as somewhere like London, so the job market wasn't as competitive. Um, and it meant that I really struggled to actually start getting promoted and opportunities until I moved to London. And I think by the time I moved to London, I was at the point where I didn't care. So, um, you know, it's not a popularity contest. If I don't agree with someone professionally, it doesn't mean that I don't like them or that they're a horrible person. Or if they don't agree with me, it doesn't mean that they think I'm horrible. And if they did, it wouldn't matter anyway. But I know it. I know you can't just start out with that mindset. It, I think it takes time and experience to get to the point where you realise actually there's there's no point investing like mental energy and time worrying about this when there's nothing you can do about it. Sure, yeah. sure. I mean, if anything else, they don't teach that at school and experiences with uh, critique that we get at school is different, right? Because it's often very personal. Whereas if you get to work, as you say, like just the fact that somebody said something about my work, perfect. I learned from that and I really appreciate the fact that somebody, you know, 
took mm-hmm. the effort to show me that there is a better way to go about things, right? So if anything else, that is that is a valuable thing. But it's a it's a shame that we wait with uh, um, learning about that only until we are actually well well in our uh, work experience. Yeah, and I look, I look at um, you know, some of the younger people that I talk to who who have been nervous about starting a blog or you know presenting at events and things like that, and it's because they feel like they don't have anything to share. But you know, the, the advice that I give them is like, even if you're at the start of your career, you can talk about your learnings and your experience, and you bring a different perspective to other people, and it will help. And ins- even if it's just one person that it helps and inspires, you'll have something valuable to share for other people. And it's, you know, it's like a superpower, isn't it? If you can present well and you do that through presenting at user groups and conferences and things like that, and then you take that back into your professional career, it's like a superpower that can help you be more successful and get promoted sure. and, um, you know, different and interesting jobs as well. Yeah, it was also this 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 interesting thing. Now you mentioned that I learned the other day, like what is the benefit for a mentor to have a mentee who is younger? Well to learn from them how they go about and learn things because because they yep. might be using you know different approaches different tech and because of where you are you don't like there is a generation gap right yep. and you get to hear from that person how they go about so it's exactly that like you are younger you are earlier on in career tell people how you go about things so that people who are more experienced like huh i didn't know that you know young folks learn on tiktok who would have thought, yeah. right? Well, I would have. Or it know, might but... be, or it might be a regional yeah. gap as well, because because again, totally. people learn yeah, differently yeah, yeah. in different countries, and 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 even inside of a country, they have a different methods uh, on doing things. Um, again, that increases the diversity, and then diversity increases us more broadly understanding. Oh, that's a great idea, and then you can actually yeah. learn from there. So, making sure that everybody is welcome is super important for that precise perspective, so that we learn from each other. So, which is really, really cool. Now, before we close up, uh, because I know that Waldeck has a hard stop, uh, not really soon, but still uh, pretty soon. Uh, on the hour, yes. Uh, uh, what's typically what we do within the show as well, we talk about what's happening within it this week. Of, of course, we can't really talk about NDA stuff for customers, but anything interesting on your table, Zoe? What, how does your week look like in the, this time of the year? So, um, so as well as being the Europe Workplace Value Realization Lead, I am also leading globally at Avenard on our co-pilot and generative AI perspective. So a large part of my time at the moment is actually spent talking to clients and not just talking to clients, educating colleagues as well. And actually, you know, what what does co-pilot mean for us? What does it mean for them or what will it mean for them when it when it's available? Um, what are the things that they have to start thinking about now in terms of readiness and you know, where their content lives and, you know, the things like the adoption levels and digital maturity within the organization and, and all, all of that stuff. So it's super, super interesting. Now, I have to jump on that one because the co-pilot obviously is an interesting thing uh, before we go to the weekly roundup for the for me and Waldek. What would what how are you approaching the co-pilot right now? Because it's it's not really available for customers. What kind of questions do you get from customers related on co-pilot? When it's available, um, how much will it cost, right? So. Yeah, <laughs> exactly that. They, they, they think that, um, you know, they think that just because you won't tell them, it, we, we've got the answer and we'll tell them. Yeah. But yeah, that's the most common thing. Like, when is it coming? What will it cost? Yeah. Um, you know, for, for us, though, it's, 
you know, we've got these workplace co-pilots, as I call them. So the Windows co-pilot, co-pilot in Beaver, M365, Power Platform, and then ones like SharePoint and, and stuff like that as well. So we've got this big collection of co-pilots that are coming from a workplace perspective. But there's a much wider generative AI impact as well. So we've got, you know, the all of the other co-pilot families as well. We've got custom co-pilots with Azure OpenAI. Um, and it's, you know, there's a bit of it which is helping clients understand the impact that this might have. And I say might because we don't we don't know yet. We don't fully know how this is going to transform businesses. Yeah. But the impact that it might have on their business over the next two, three, five years and what this means when they start thinking about how they want to work and how they how they reinvent how work gets done. And personally, I, I think this is going to be a really exciting journey that we're going on because we we don't actually know all the answers yet and I think you know there's going to be like a couple of years of this this people getting ready and then it's going to be available and people start using it and it's probably not going to be until we get to like that two or three year mark that we actually start to really understand the the bigger picture of what this means you know how, yeah. how the, the way that this is going to reshape organizations and industries and how data flows and how people interact with systems and processes. Um, so, yeah, it's super interesting. But we, we paint um, or I paint like this, this bigger picture and, you know, and then we talk, bring them back to, you know, you can't do that yet. This is what you can do right now to get ready. <laughs> yep. Yeah. What can you do right now to get ready? I have to. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to take now an, an, another 30 minutes. So <laughs> yeah. we, there, there's a much bigger conversation. But, um, yeah. you know, the, the, the lenses that we look across are kind of platform, security, content, people, yes. operations. Nothing yeah. too surprising in there. But yeah. Yeah. Getting ready for the fact that there's going to be a machine who's going to no, if you if you have information which is too widely shared for a people, that's a really good example. You need to know know that advance rather than afterwards when it's already exposed uh, for everybody and so all of that stuff. Cool. Yeah. Wildek, what you're gonna have to do this week? Anything interesting on your table? Very interesting. So over the last two weeks, we ran a hackathon where folks have built exciting apps for teams. Hackathon or the submission time is done, which means we've got a bunch of cool apps to review, to judge, and the awesome task to pick the winner. So that is on my plate for th this week predominantly. That's cool. Um, and I guess I will need to do some helping on that as well, unless I'm completely mistaken. We'll see. Um, on my table, uh, catching. I was actually on vacation last week, uh, I'm, so I'm catching up my email inbox has exploded and there's so many things to follow up on which is which is always a bummer but more importantly uh friday is a public holiday it's just midsummer eve and it's the biggest family uh celebration in sweden and finland which i still i'm a bit confused why is it only sweden and finland because you know other countries don't celebrate midsummer i different gods there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> i guess that's the reason or we never let that traditional it's the basically bacon uh, the the most the, what is it summer it's in the midsummer so the the longest yeah. day of the year and and that's been a traditional celebration thing in sweden and finland for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and good for years. you so, yeah exactly <laughs> so 
Anyway, I guess that's it for this one. Thank you, Zoe, uh, for joining. Uh, we'll definitely invite you again on a show uh, a, a bit later, of course, but it's good to catch up. And, and, and it's actually really cool to have a discussion, not about the technology, but rather about the human being, uh, human level and, and kind of a softer skill level, because again, that is almost more important than the technology within nowadays business. Um, thank you, Waldek, for joining as well. I guess we'll jump on the weekly articles on this one. Uh, so thank you, sorry. Thank you. Been a pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Excellent. Thank you, Zoe, one more time uh, on the on the interview and discussion. Really, really cool to catch up as well and, and cool cool discussion. Let's jump on the articles, right? Let's do that. Let's what do, what that. do you have for us this week? Let me share my screen and let's have a look. So uh, we were collecting articles from a quite long time period, but, but we didn't obviously want to have all of the things, which is resurfacing certain articles around the discussions uh, and we can talk about the, what, what's actually happening. The last time we did a recording with Smita, Smita, Smita uh, we didn't do articles because we were just recording that after the previous episode. But let's start with the Microsoft Teams vlog. We, they will say no in public preview, collaborative notes in Microsoft Teams meeting. And we've been using this internally actually for quite a long time. Basic idea is that you have a loop powered notes which you can basically collect easily throughout the meeting. So you can mention people, all of that stuff, which is then getting stored as a loop component, uh, which is pretty, pretty cool. Uh, they actually work really, really well. And you can embed them in the different systems and all of that stuff as well. So nice looking feature. Who's trying that nicely? Cool. Uh, that, that isn't me. Uh, I think that's a fake picture. But anyway, it's, it's, it's super impressive. Now, um, <laughs> The second article on the Teams vlog is how ISVs are driving customer retention by enabling unique experiences uh, in Microsoft Teams. And this is really around showcasing uh, the opportunities and possibilities for ISVs and partners uh, on extending Microsoft 365. So providing additional features and capabilities and then calling out few of the ISVs and what they actually do. So, um, and what kind of things can be implemented. So I, I to be honest, I, I really like this kind of a blog post because they explain the, the scenarios, what we can do rather than here's an API, here's an API, here's an API, which is like, cool. What now? What can I do with those APIs? And and I uh, that's that's the classic challenge always been with the Microsoft documentation that it focuses on API, 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 extensibility, extensibility, extensibility. But it's like okay, but so <laughs> what's the value out of it? So, well, I mean, if anything else, you know, there there's place for the reference docs that explain how things work. Sure. And then there is sure. place for some other place where you can learn why would you care? What problems does it solve? And how does that fit? fit into the needs that you've got in your 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 work so absolutely absolutely and those are actually quite more so so having that inspirational things these kind of blog posts are nice because again they're showing and explaining and then it's like oh oh, oh if i take that and combine that with our product then we'll have and that's that's how you get people those killer ideas um, on reading things now on the teams and rooms and teams meeting um, we basically announced new features in the infocom 2023 and this is a collection from matt uh, related on all of those features um, and how they actually work and uh, this is actually the pretty cool stuff where we're for example splitting the people who are sitting in the room for individual videos i think we talked about this one in the past already but again we're rolling out these features to be to be out as well because then it doesn't matter if you're in the room 
or remotely from home, you will feel as part of the meeting. Yeah, I think way back when, you know, when we had this big device, big appliance with the round cameras. We oh, the had round like, camera. Yeah, that yeah, had like, that. That actually, yeah. Polycom, was it, was it yeah, called? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, where I, it would auto, it would it would pick up the person who would speak in the room, but it would just show yeah. one person at a time, right? Yes, that's true. That's true. Now it's actually splitting that to an individual rooms, and of course, still those people who are in the room, it's much more inclusive uh, or easier because they're you can see the the reactions more uh, vividly. But still, I think this is a really, really, really cool feature. Um, I still remember vividly on on those classic before pandemic, uh, those meeting invites in Redmond time zone where you come, okay, fine, the last meeting of the day, 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. or 11 p.m., open up a meeting invite that's like no Teams, no Lunk, no Latin Links. And you're like, I can't join this if you don't <laughs> include me there enough to a try. phone number for you to call in. <laughs> yeah, in some of them, yes. In some yeah, of them. Okay, fair so. enough. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that you guy in Finland. Maybe we'll call that. Exactly. On the phone, on the table. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah, but that <clears throat> I was a bit of an exception at the time. So it's it's <clears throat> luckily we are improving from there. People are the world has moved on. So <laughs> so on the Microsoft Viva side, uh, Microsoft Viva Pulse is now available in public preview, uh, and this is really around collecting the feedback ideas and and you know the survey style. How are you doing? And and all of that stuff. So I think great, great, great feature. Uh, and functionality, which is commonly used within the companies, uh, quite commonly actually by our partner. Partner ecosystem has a lot of these things uh, offered as well. Now it's also offered by Microsoft as an option, so which is really really cool. And then we had the SharePoint Experience, the interesting podcast. Uh, so this is something what Mark Cashman recorded together with Adam Hamitz. Adam Hamitz is in my organizational chain. Um, Adam owns SharePoint Experiences, and, and actually Mark is nowadays uh, in the same organization and chains as well. And they recorded this in Las Vegas uh, to talk about the new SharePoint Experiences. Um, we did announce a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of cool features in Las Vegas related on SharePoint, OneDrive, and the related technologies, and, and they basically have a discussion on them. So. Wow, it's a really cool stage that they have. Like, I, <laughs> yes. I, I wish we had this stage for our thing too. Being, <laughs> yes. You know, we could just get together and talk and. <laughs> No, it, it, that's doable. I'll just pick you up with my private plane, and then we can fly to MTM. Is that okay for you? So. Mm, yeah, like nine-hour <laughs> uh, flight for half an hour recording. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Absolutely, absolutely makes sense. <laughs> Good. And this one uh, we, we raised for the discussion, deploying Microsoft Viva Connection internally in Microsoft. And this one is really good. Actually, Alex uh, Terentiev uh, shared this in Twitter, which we need to promote a more widely, a bit a bit more widely, because this is actually really, really, really cool blog post related on how the Viva Connection was deployed in Microsoft and, and how we are using the Viva Connection mobile first experience to accessing relevant information, what you have. So, uh, and I was testing this and it actually works amazingly well. Um, so um, whenever you're wondering, it's like in Microsoft, we do get stock awards. Um, you can use it. It's a really easy way to check your, what is my next stock award numbers and timing and all of that through the app. Yeah, but also even things like, you know, uh, the holidays or, yeah, the holidays, yeah, uh, vacations. Like in some yeah. parts, we have this obscure systems that are way back when and they ju ju just work. But yeah. if if you are on your phone on the go, 
well, the last thing you want to do is use some kind of VB app or something else. So having a card that just works and allows you to basically do what you need to do, like pick up the dates and like I am gone from there to then and I am gone for this thing. It's like a charm and it's super easy. Yes, absolutely. The the personally, I'm I'm still waiting, and we we promised that we're doing this more flexibility within the cards and all of that stuff, so we can make the Viva connection more nicer looking. It's pretty, let's say, dull still. Um, it's it's hard to make. It's really kind of a compelling uh, from a branding perspective. But there's a lot of lot of uh, planning and features coming on there with background colors and different card colors and card sizes and and all of that stuff. So, I think it's a natural evolution, like. If you remember Windows Phone, if anybody in this was listening or watching, oh, remember tiles. the Windows Phone tiles. Originally, they were super simple squares, but then we started having more flexibility and flexibility and flexibility. And, and the similar thing clearly is happening to our connection as well, luckily. So, but the idea is technically we're the same. We're bringing so. Windows tiles to Metro tiles to your connection. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> uh, but it's it's kind of the same idea still when I think about it. So, yeah. it is not a bad idea at all. So you can have additional set of features. And then, as you said, surfacing those multiple applications to a single uh, uh, hub and mobile experience. And those relevant operations also to be easily available from there rather than always jumping to a different application. The content is really, really strong. We just need to a bit improve the the messaging and and provide some samples. And yes, some of that is on my table as well. So we'll get it done. Ship it. Right after the summer, right? Yes. Nothing happens now. And with, then right after summer, summer it's, yes, and uh, right after summer, it's already Thanksgiving. So nothing happens there and nothing, no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on the Power Automate side, uh, there was 24 new Verify 29 independent PubliSec connect and uh, 37 updated connectors. And, and again, these are really, really, I love the Power Platform organization we actually, I did partner quite closely at some point with them to set up some of this stuff. I believe they've been running that by themselves for a long, long time already. But the original idea with the GitHub and everything else, and and then I love the fact that people can get their own independent Papasa connectors available in the product. Oh, yeah. And that's really, really, really cool. You submit something on a GitHub and it will be exposed in product. And And for me, that's like, that's how it should be. That's how open source should be exposed and used within a product with a, of course, for customers, they can enable or disable them depending on what they want to do. So really cool. Yeah. Um, on the Power App side, this is a bit older one, but we haven't covered this. Um, I, I just related on my one week off, I have more, clearly I have more things to talk about, so much to talk about because I've been silent for the whole week. Um, but um, Power Platform uh, and Power Apps are introducing a new enterprise application templates. And I think, Waldek, you said Fab 40 immediately when you yeah, yeah, title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is something super relevant for, for old school people who've been around within the ecosystem for a long time. So many, 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 many moons ago, um, we introduced uh, Fab 40 enterprise templates which were actually 37 templates if i remember correctly so it wasn't even 40 <laughs> close enough 
<laughs> but basic idea, obviously, is that um, you have to have the baseline. And then on top of that baseline, uh, we want to have more turnkey solutions and, and example solutions and templates available. And, and that's what these are all about. So providing templates and starting points and examples what you can actually build using the platform in Power Apps. Yeah, well. and also, like, in a way, it's meant to raise the bar because we yes. see... Like across the board, across you know, you know the customers types of businesses that work on N365 and Power Platform, we we see a lot of similar types of apps being built. So yep. in our words, like why should everyone reinvent the wheel and build the same right. things over and over from scratch? Instead, we offer a template that you can adjust to your needs, but you have the basics in place already. So with that, yep. we raise the bar, allowing you to to focus on the things that you truly need that are, that are specific to you and yep. not that you have to, you know, oh yeah, I need to have yeah, the yeah, baseline to start something some uh, yeah. start something about a person or a t- yes, like we know that already. Here it is, yes. you know, start from here and build on yep. top. It's it's almost like the classic provisioning engine discussion what we had within SharePoint at some point, which is yeah. So raise templates, the bar, increase the abstraction. Increase the abstraction. Um, also on the Power App side, there was an announcing general availability for Power Platform customer managed keys. And this is really cool from a security perspective, important thing. Uh, so basically securing en- encryption using the customer keys so that um, increasing the security, increasing the compliance of the systems. Customers own their own data, of course, which is super, super important also in Power Platform. Uh, on the other side, this has been, on Microsoft 365, this has been available already for a long time as well. Now, on developer side, there was a great news on last Friday. Uh, Fluid Framework 2.0 Alpha is now available, which is really, really cool. And it is for really, really cool technology for sure. Right, Waldek? Um, you, yeah. Have you implemented anything on top of the Fluid Framework? Okay. No, I so. had no no scenarios that is like, hey, like I need this for because everything like that I can think of that I need for my work is available already in the process that we use. And the trick challenging part is, or the interesting thing is, we use the products that we built at Microsoft are built on top of this, so we use this yes. already. Yes. But because we do, Correct. like I have an app taking notes collaboratively, I can do it in Loop uh, app yes. or yes. or a loop. So that is there already. Yeah. What else do I need? Maybe a whiteboard. We have that already. What else do we need? You know. Uh, so basically, like all the, the biggest needs that I have are matched already. So I don't like. Sure. Yeah, like I can. There is not much for me to need on top of that. So I think I I might need some more. Hey, in the coming in the next three weeks or, or four weeks, I'm going to go on on the vacation. So maybe that will be the time when I think through some other things. Like hey, like I haven't what seen if this. You would... and maybe that will exactly. be for me. You know, the trigger point. Like. That's why I wanted to try. Sure, sure. Makes perfect sense. Absolutely. And then there was a updated collection of the new announcements from uh, Round Office Settings uh, in Build 2023. These are, again, really good collections of all of the things and with screenshots and, and references to the APIs and what has, what has been shipped and what can be done. Super, super cool stuff. Thank you for that. And then Sebastian Levert had a blog post related on Microsoft Craft Toolkit V3 release candidates. So, um, And this That's is going to be cool. demoed uh, in the community course as well. So please do check out those recordings. Good way of actually catching up on what's available in V3. So, on top of the blog post as well. So, but a lot of, lot of cool stuff. And I think the most interesting one here was the chat. No, where's the chat? 
that is a, a separate thing. Uh, okay, that's a separate thing. That's yeah, not in 3.0. If you look, at, okay, if you look at the changes here, the one that is really a game-changing thing is search. And the, yeah. like how far you can you, you can come with that. Because like up until now, it wasn't easy to build search-driven uh, experiences on MGT because search is a post component or it's, yes. it's a post API. Yep. So like like even though there, there is MGT get, well, it's a get, it's not a post. So, yep. but now you have kind of like MGT post, which wraps a search experience, but it's really cool because of, you know, the templates, the way you can adjust them to your needs. And also yep. out of the box, you will get, experience that is very close to the search that you get in product and now now yep. you can build it in your own app so it's really game changing when it comes to how easily you can build really rich apps that tap into the data and insights on n365 yep really really cool stuff thank you for that now a few other blog posts and uh, now we're heading to the community side so adam wojcik uh, had a released blog post related on viva connection toolkit for visual studio code uh, which increases for sure your productivity when you're building sharepoint framework projects for microsoft teams outlook uh, viva or sharepoint frame uh, for sharepoint so there's multiple different options obviously with sharepoint framework but there's a lot of lot of great features and capabilities there um, even though you wouldn't be using that and uh, for creating the project, you can actually use it in top of any SharePoint framework solution, which is really, really cool. So it detects yeah. that you are running already a SharePoint framework, and then you can use it for simplified operations like the uh, deployments and all of validation and all of that stuff. So really, really cool stuff. And uh, thank you, Adam, for that. Also, Adam has been working on CLI for Microsoft 365 PMP PowerShell VS Code code extensions for quite a long time. And this is a summary blog post where those are. So um, he's really into this uh, VS Code extension stuff. Um, but this is so cool stuff. Oh, yeah. A lot of helper things, a lot of helper and samples and surfacing documentation directly within the with VS Code. So really, really cool stuff. Thank you, Adam. Awesome, awesome stuff. TGIWE02, another Friday, finally a new article. That's an interesting title. Thank God <laughs> it's weekend, I guess. <laughs> I guess it is. Oh, I need to actually check it out. TGIWE. Hey, Bing, uh, what is TGIWE? Uh, I guess it, that's. That's I, I guess that's that's what it means. Anyway, yeah, thank God it's weekend. <laughs> thank God it's Wednesday is also offered. <laughs> Table games in the world. Teaching mm, God's yeah. infinite wisdom. <laughs> anyway, for the, the sake of time. <laughs> Uh, so these are basically collection of uh, references, uh, what what uh, Stefan has been running into and, and related on CSS styling, all of that stuff and HTML. And he is really into this stuff and he is really, really awesome. Uh, great ref uh, on these skills. And these are super, super cool articles related on you know what has been done. We played around with this one at some point with him, <laughs> the toads, uh, the not turtles. Come on, turtles. Turtles. It's, turtles. It's, yes, it's, turtles. Yeah, yes, yes, turtle. yes. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, that's really, really cool. Thank you, Stefan, on that. Now, do you want to talk about Martin's uh, blog post? 
Definitely. So one of the things that we are we are being asked a lot is how would you run CLI for Microsoft 365 on functions in Azure? And the reason for that is, well, imagine that you've got an automation that you want to run either on, on a clock or as a result of an event. So how would you go about it? Martin did a great article explaining that, like, how would you set it up so that it works? Because there are quite a few things included to have it run really optimally, right? So if if you are interested in that, if you have any need, check out this article because it will um, basically give you a guide, step-by-step -step guide, how you can uh, set it up, how, how you can make CLI for Microsoft 365 work in Azure Functions. Yep, really, really cool. Thank you, Martin, on that one. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. Now, on from the... Oleg, Patrick, I was I was expecting Agnes, uh, but there's a blog post related Microsoft Search a roadmap updates on June 2023, um, and Agnes is is the CEO. I think Search explains so that to be clear, <laughs> these are from Agnes, <laughs> but um, that's okay. So basically, calling out all of the different things which are, are rolling out and which has been announced within the Microsoft 365 Search Center or in the roadmap. So a lot of lot of cool stuff on here as well, gradually rolling out within the different areas of Microsoft 365. On the video side, April had a 13 days ago already. Uh, first look on the Power Automate Copilot, uh, really very cool video on explaining how that works and what, what you can do to use it. So basically use your natural language to create your flows, um, So which is awesome. So rather than using technical language, you can just ask uh, it to do things. Yeah. Uh, Shane Young had a say goodbye to email, simplified TPS reports with Teams adaptive cards. So basically, rather than sending this stuff in email, collect the information directly in Teams. That's really, really cool. Yeah. And there's the Office Space reference as well. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Have you filled in those TPS reports already? Yeah. So. Yes. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Now, Juliana De Luca also had a blog post, uh, no, sorry, a video, how to use AI Empower Apps, aka Copilot. Um, so that's basically similar overlapping with, with April's, not overlapping, but that's Power Automate. And, and Juliana is talking about Power Apps, and both of them have now the same Copilot integrated in it, which is really, really cool. And then uh, Paolo had a blog post uh, video. <laughs> <laughs> on Microsoft Love, Teams Toolkit Love V5 video. from Zero to Hero Part 2. Uh, this is a set of series on the Teams Toolkit V version 5 and how you can use it to simplify Microsoft Teams development. The V5 is actually really, really, really good. So it's, it's, and the F5 experience is just magical, like we saw within last week on the, on the demos as well within the Teams Hackathon. And then this should have been actually a bit earlier, but uh, Peter Venstra had a new blog post related on performance of Graph API, REST API, and web services uh, in SharePoint and Power Automate, and good comparison related on those executions uh, and what, how long does it actually take to do certain things um, based on your objectives. Um, it's it's good to evaluate obje objectives for sure. And yeah, I was there a do, 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 conclusion. Do, 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 do. Da -da 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 -da. You might want to rely on retry, however. Some of the retries. No conclusion. No conclusion when it comes to which API to use yes. or what. It depends. That's it why depends. we have consultants. Yeah, there we go. Right? Yeah. Cool. Exactly. I 
I guess that's it for this one. Uh, I think we'll have the discussion about what's happening this week uh, with Zoe. Uh, so we already had that. We haven't recorded that yet. But we we'll have. have so yes, it was a very good plan. It's very <laughs> often. <laughs> <laughs> but this is now the last episode of the of the PMP Weekly until we'll uh, pray, come back from the summer break uh, in the Northern Hemisphere. It is actually super warm. Uh, I was on Greece last week, uh, and it's pretty weird to fly back to Finland, and it's warmer in Finland than it is in Greece. So, you know, it's... Well, hey, it's global warming is a hoax. <laughs> sure it is. <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll be back in end of August, uh, roughly. Uh, we'll see when, whatever week we'll start actually executing this again. Uh, it's just easier this way rather than try to figure out who is not on vacation during summertime, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's like for everybody, you know, have well-deserved time off, recharge, and yes. if you if you are not going away, if you're not taking time off, enjoy the the uh, quiet time as some other folks might. So. Yep, absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening, depending on our format. Please give us feedback uh, related on what we're doing, what works and what doesn't work. If you have good ideas, suggestions, those are always welcome as well. Um, but have a great summer if you are living in the Northern Hemisphere. Have a great winter if you're living in the Southern Hemisphere. We'll be back after the break. Sounds good. See you, everybody. Cheers. Bye-bye.